It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host and super fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned my addiction into information for you. Each and every day, I'm going to bring you news, rumors, transactions, everything about the Cincinnati Reds. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump into today's episode. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, we're going to talk about some shortstops. We're going to talk about Jose Garcia. Going to talk about that brand new contract that Fernando Tatis just signed with the Padres and the connection that I see the Reds have to this deal. Uh, We're going to get into all of that here in just a moment. But before we do, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're currently listening to. Just click that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. And in case you've uh, ever looked at the podcast feed on a certain app and wondered why the episodes look out of order. Apparently, I've been doing something wrong clerically, so we're working on that. Behind the scenes should be done within the next day or so. So this may be a completely moot point, but just want to let you know, if for some reason you saw something that was supposed to be from October and it showed up on top, I I don't know. It's a silly mistake that I have made, and I'm fixing it. So we're going to have that fixed here pretty soon. All right, so let's jump into some Red Stock. There's been... A lot of speculation about what the Reds are going to do at shortstop ever since they decided that they weren't going to do much. We all kind of figured they were going to go after Marcus Simeon or go after D.D. Gregorius or go after Angelton Simmons or one of those guys, maybe make a trade. They didn't do any of that. Now, now they said that they were going after them. They, they were in the market for each of those players. They just didn't have the offer that was picked. We will never know exactly how competitive their offers were. Marcus Simeon, one year, $18 million. Dita Gregorius, two years, $28 million, so $14 million per year. And then Andrelton Simmons, one year, $10.5 million. Some would think that uh, most of that was too expensive for him, which is a bummer. Because that was really the one stated goal. I, I can understand not having a full-on $160 million shopping spree like they had last year. That's fine. But if you start the offseason with a stated goal and you really didn't accomplish that goal, how are you going to accomplish it in-house when at the time of stating the goal, you didn't feel like you had those pieces there? Now they added Kyle Holder and they added... D. Strange Gordon. D. Strange Gordon hasn't played shortstop regularly since 2013. He hasn't played more than 10 games at shortstop since 2013. Let's clear that up. More than 10 games in a season since 2013 at the shortstop position. Kyle Holder has never played in the major leagues. 
I don't know how he's an improvement over Jose Garcia, who got his first taste last year. Now, here's the thing with Jose Garcia. I asked the question on the last podcast, kind of as a tease, as why can't Jose Garcia win this job? Why can't he start this year as the Major League shortstop? There's a big reason why. I I think we all know why. It has to do with his plate discipline. And I tried, uh, you guys know me, I like to do comparisons, I like to take a look at comparable players and stuff. I even looked up Willie Adamas, I looked up Ahmed Rosario, and I'm like, how did these guys, the reason I looked up for those, in case you missed it, those guys were rumored trade targets that the Reds were at least talking to their teams about. They were talking to the Rays about Willie Adamas, and they were talking to the Indians about Ahmed Rosario. But nothing materialized, obviously, because they're not Reds. So I'm like, let's compare their first 24 games to Jose Garcia's. There's really no good way of spinning the seven OPS plus that Jose Garcia put up in his first 24 games. So it'd be foolish of me to try. But with that, looking at his minor league numbers, it's just a matter of building confidence. This dude is not out of the future planes, and I don't think most of us thought this way, but like if you look on his profile on fan graphs and things like that, they have him listed as a top 50 prospect. Fan graphs has Jose Garcia listed as a top 50 prospect in Major League Baseball, in all of Major League Baseball. They have him as the number one prospect in the Reds organization. There are other publications and people and prognosticators that rate the Reds' prospects differently, but everyone still believes that Jose Garcia's future is very bright. So I think the reason that he cannot start this season, at least at the beginning of this season, as the Major League shortstop, is people feel as though that would damage his confidence. Now, if you follow him on Instagram, you will see that the dude is in good shape. The dude is coming into camp like a monster. He is ready to go. He's beefed up a little bit from last year. Looks like he's ready to lift Great American Ballpark, let alone hit a ball out of one. So I'm hoping to see lots of improvement. I don't know that there's anything he can do during spring training to win the job. Remember that spring that he had last year? In 26 at-bats last spring training, before it was shut down and all that good stuff, but he had 26 at-bats last spring. Seven hits, four of those were homers, one was a double, seven RBIs. He had an OPS of 1,069. Now, he got on base 30% of the time compared to a 269 batting average, i.e. his batting average was very dependent on how much he got on base, which was what we saw during the season as he drew exactly one walk. Pop quiz on how many walks he drew in spring training. One. Now, he only struck out three times. That was a huge difference in the regular season. And part of that is the quality of pitching he was facing in spring training. But overall, I don't expect his numbers to change very much this spring. Now, hopefully, the plate discipline numbers have gone through the roof. But that would mean that he spent the time between October and now completely revamping his game in the batter's box. I find that hard to imagine. So I don't think that there's anything he can do during spring training to prove that he should be the everyday shortstop in 2021. He's going to need time in AAA. 
So why can't Jose Garcia start? Because when you look at the group of shortstops, he's probably the most talented. In fact, I, I think it's not that big of a stretch to say that. D. Strange Gordon is far past his prime. Kyle Holder is great defensively. We don't know what he is otherwise, and he's only played in double A. And Kyle Farmer, as much as I like the guy, he is a utility player. So I do not want to remainder him to shortstop and kind of get rid of his key usefulness. He is very useful in his utility role. Now, granted, if I were a baseball player and I were stuck as a utility player, but I got the option to start at shortstop, I'm not going to complain. So it's not as if Kyle Farmer is going to sit here and say, no, I want to stay on the bench. It's going to be up to the Reds and what they think is best for the team. But as it is right now, the options that they have, they're really banking on what Barry Larkin said in his introductory press conference as brand new analyst for Fox Sports Ohio when he put a lot of support behind D. Strange Gordon. And he even mentioned he thinks that Jose Garcia is super talented but still needs some seasoning. So that is why Jose Garcia is not going to at least begin the 2021 season as the Reds shortstop. Now, my hope is that come June, he will have blown the doors off of things in Louisville enough to the point where they're like, all right, we've seen enough. We're pulling him up. He's our everyday shortstop. Because they did not make a move for a stopgap guy. Don't sit here and tell me that D. Strange Gordon is going to be the stopgap guy. I think the stopgap he could provide for Jose Garcia is part of the 2021 season. If we get an entire useful, good major league season out of D strange Gordon at shortstop, we will be the, the Reds will be the first team in eight years to do so. So that kind of leaves our strategy right now to hope. We hope that Jose Garcia can get right very quickly in triple a We hope that whoever the Reds put at shortstop is going to serve us better than if they put like a Cliff Pennington there or something like that. We all remember that day. All right, that's enough out of the Jose Garcia thing. That's kind of what I'm looking at when when it comes to the young Jose Garcia, hoping that he can figure out how to step up his game in the batter's box. And who knows, maybe he and Tyler Stevenson spent a lot of time together this offseason figuring that out because it seems like Tyler Stevenson knows what he's doing in the batter's box. All right, coming up, I've got some thoughts about this Fernando Tatis contract. Yeah, I know, it's pretty crazy. I'm not going to add to the chorus of people that are just wow at the whole idea of it. I've got a different take, a Reds take on the Fernando Tatis deal in San Diego. But before we get into that, have I got some good news for you. All of your sports knowledge, because I know that you're a very knowledgeable sports fan, can make you a couple of bucks over at betonline.ag. Check them out. They've got all the best odds when it comes to sports right now. Lots of basketball going on. You do have some preseason futures bets for Major League Baseball, mostly just like who's going to win the division, who's going to win the league, who's going to win the World Series, things like that. As we mentioned before, the Reds' value has gone up. They are at plus 320 to win the NL Central, where they were at plus 265 about a month ago. This is before the Nolan Arenado trade for St. Louis made them the betting favorites to win the Central. But you can jump on that when you set up your profile 
at betonline.ag. And when you do, enter the promo code LOCKED ON to get a 50% deposit bonus. That way, whatever you put in, betonline.ag is going to add a little bit on top just because you typed in the promo code LOCKED ON. Go over to betonline.ag, type in that promo code LOCKED ON, and get 50% more on your initial deposit bonus. Something else I'm really excited about is this snack that has just changed the game. If you guys have not tried Built Bar already, this thing, I, I tell you, you take a bite of Built Bar, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. They've got all these amazing flavors, and their brand new one of coconut brownie chunk is absolutely fantastic. The box came in the mail the other day, of course, while I was at work, and my wife told me, hey, you got a box from Built Bar. I opened it up. I checked it out. It tastes really good. You're really going to enjoy it. And I was like, huh? How did you get that Built Bar first? Built Bar is amazing. Check them out. If you don't like coconut, maybe you like some fruit flavors. They've got Cherry Barcia, which was my favorite until I had the coconut brownie chunk. They've also got amazing stuff like peanut butter chocolate. They've got double chocolate. You can check out cookies and cream. They've got everything that you can think of for a good snack, but zero guilt. It even says it on the bar's package, 100% chocolate, real chocolate, and 0% guilt. Their statistics are amazing. They've got 17 grams of protein in some of this stuff and very low on calories and fat. Check them out, BuiltBar.com. And I got a promo code for you too if you want to check them out. 20% off your next order can be had if you type in the promo code locked on, that's builtbar.com with the promo code locked on. And before we jump into this Fernando Tatis contract, I also wanted to point out to check out the Locked On Today podcast. We had a bonus Locked On Today episode that was posted in the Reds feed last week. Go check them out. On today's episode, they are taking a unique look at the idea of the greatest of all time. Everybody's talking about Tom Brady since he won the Super Bowl. They've got a unique look at that. Go check them out. Locked on today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Fernando Tatis signed a mega, mega deal. Probably the most megas of deals when it comes to years, 14 years, this guy's going to be a Padre. I can't blame him. San Diego's a beautiful city. And you're by the beach. I mean, it's really hard to beat. The weather there, they don't have to deal with the snow, all this crap we got on the ground. So, yeah, I'd want to stay there for 14 years if I could, too. And especially if they're going to give me over $300 million. I've seen 300, 320, 340. No one's got the exact number, but it's over $300 million. I think at that point, you're pretty happy. Everything over 300 just kind of seems like gravy. So, yeah, everyone's making a take like, oh, they overpaid. Or, oh, uh, what a deal for Fernando Tatis. Or, you know, whatever. I'm looking at this from a Reds perspective because here's the deal. The Reds got a Eugenio Suarez on one of the most team-friendly deals in all of Major League Baseball. And then the Braves stepped up and said, hold my beer. We're going to lock down Ronald Acuna for even cheaper. And they locked down Ozzy Albies for a pretty nice deal too. So you've got all these teams that are buying out arbitration years and trying to buy out one or two years or three years, depending on where you're at, of free agency and trying to get ahead of the curve for it. These, these teams that some may call them small markets, some may call them just don't want to spend, they're trying to get ahead of the curve when it comes to signing guys longer term. The Padres, on the other hand, were like, we're going to pay him what he's worth but we're also going to keep him around for a really, really long time. I mean, by the time Fernando Tatis's deal is done in San Diego, I'm going to be in my mid-40s 
And that's kind of got me feeling some sort of way. But from a Reds perspective, I think this has now destroyed the trend of paying your younger superstars who are still in their arbitration years a little bit less than probably what they make on the open market. And what is the big thing that we are all looking at coming down the pipe? Luis Castillo's contract. We are in a time now where it makes sense to start wondering if the Reds should pull the trigger and go and extend Luis Castillo. And there's some people out there, it's a minority, but there's some people out there that are still shell-shocked by the Homer Bailey deal. This is not that way at all. You still always run the risk of a pitcher getting hurt because they're pitchers and they get hurt more than most positions on the diamond. But on the other end of the spectrum, the talent is undeniable. What did we talk about a month ago? The Yankees trying to trade for Luis Castillo. There were names going around like Davey Garcia. People were wondering about Glaber Torres. People were wondering about Clint Frazier, all these other names. It is evident the Reds must lock this dude up. And Fernando Tatis getting 14 years at $340 million pretty much tosses the idea out the window that the Reds are going to be able to finagle some discounted deal. You're going to have to pay Luis Castillo what he's worth, or at least close to it. It's not going to be something where everyone's sitting around like, boy, oh boy, the Reds got a real deal to keep Luis Castillo around. Because of this Fernando Tatis Jr. contract extension, that's all gone out the window. And this is for every team in Major League Baseball, but obviously, looking from a Reds perspective, Luis Castillo is the guy that we got to worry about. The guy that we got to see, are the Reds going to keep him? Are they going to be shell-shocked by the Homer Bailey deal? Are they going to be shell-shocked by the Joey Votto deal and think, should we spend a ton of money? And that's another avenue of looking at Spincinnati, too, is the idea that they don't have to be locked in on one guy. Now, I think a lot of us were looking, including me, whenever I first heard of the idea of Spincinnati, it's like, okay, this is an idea for the Reds to really build up and hopefully it works and it's a way that they can explain not keeping Trevor Bauer. I think that was short-sighted. I think Spencinati, hashtag Spencinati, might be the kind of idea that precludes them from overpaying for ace pitchers. Now it's got to work and, and we won't know if it works for like a year or two or three this, it's got to have time in the system. Now, reports are from Kyle Bodie that Hunter Green has an amazing slider. He called it a plus-plus slider to go along with that 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And we've seen the fruits of driveline with other pitchers. So maybe this is something that the Reds have expounded upon, and they're going to become a pitching factory. But if they're not going to be beholden to the new market that was created just today with the signing of Fernando Tatis Jr. by the Padres to that mega extension, then Spincinnati's got to work. And that's kind of where I'm getting at with this whole idea of the extension. For, for Fernando Tatis, I'm super happy. For Padres fans, I'm super happy. You're going to get to keep your guy around. And if we want to be happy with the Reds pitching, whether it be them keeping Luis Castillo or whether it be hashtag Spincinnati working, one of those things has to happen. And that's what I took away from that Fernando Tatis deal. All right, on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to talk about the brand new signing that the Reds have had of a bullpen pitcher, Cam Bedrosian, how he fits into this brand new painting that the front office has made of this bullpen. 
and how the bullpen compares to last season. We're going to break down the bullpen on tomorrow's episode. You're not going to miss that. The best way to not miss it is to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds. And save that Lockdown Reds line number into your phone, 513-549-0159. We will have us a Jeff's Junk Mail segment coming up at the beginning of next week. I know I said earlier this week it's going to be later in the week, but I'm pushing it back. It's going to be at the beginning of next week. So check that out. Also, at the beginning of next week, I've got an interesting take. Next week's going to be a busy week. As spring training gets going, we're going to have lots of spring training coverage. But also, I've got kind of a off-the-beaten-path type episode. A little bit different idea, taking a look at baseball ownership, specifically the Reds' ownership. And we're, we're going to talk about that at the beginning of next week. Also, next week on the podcast, Doug Gray returns. I think the last time I talked to Doug was at the beginning of the offseason when we all had uh, you know, big dreams of the Reds getting a shortstop. So we're going to talk to him about those dreams getting crushed. That's going to be next week on the podcast. Like I said, subscribe so you don't miss anything, but that's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and I will talk to every single one of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.